Hi, I'm Ben Lowell, and this is Back to the Bible Canada's Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. John, great to have you here. Uh, we're going to have in a few minutes a special guest join us, Andy Steiger, who is Director of Apologetics Canada. And uh, we're going to be discussing the whole issue of, uh, of what does it mean to be human, yeah. or the idea of being created in the image of God. And uh, I think it's a, it's a critically important thing. It has been throughout history, but even now, as we consider how we interact with each other and our perspective of who people are, and 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 as you you'll mention later, the implications in respect to evangelizing yeah. others. Uh, but today, would you would you take us into the word? Yeah, thank you, Ben. Um, you know, I'm going to talk about uh, not so much what Andy is going to speak about, which has to do with what it means to be human. But I want to speak about the role of apologetics, that is, giving a defense of the faith to people who ask us for the hope that is within us. I think each one of us needs to know how to answer the questions that are being asked. So let's step back for a moment, and I'm gonna tell you a vision that I have, that I've had for a great many years, and may God yet give that to me, even if it, it doesn't happen in my lifetime. But I dream of a day when it's impossible to live in Canada without having to decide what to do with Jesus. You know, I know that today, if you live in this country, uh, you can be born, you can live your life, and you can die, and never have to be confronted with the truth claims of the gospel of Jesus Christ, his saving death on our behalf, and the necessity that we have to respond to him. Great many Canadians aren't dealing with that, but I dream of a day when you're gonna have to deal with that every single day in this country. That would mean, of course, that individuals are constantly speaking about Jesus, Christians with their neighbors, with, uh, with the people in their extended families, with their work colleagues, with people that are part of wherever they are involved in. But if we're in dialogue with non-Christians about God, about truth, about what it means to be human, which is what we're gonna talk about today, if we're gonna be in those dialogues, we're going to have to know how to answer the questions that they ask. See, here's what I know. There are those who teach evangelism that go something like this. When people have an objection to the gospel, make sure you just keep on taking them back to the gospel and help them to get beyond their objection. Say things like, well, we'll deal with that objection later. Look, I'm gonna give you a reason why I don't think that's a good approach. Imagine, if you will, the gospel's like a castle. And around the castle, there are a series of moats, and people can never get to the castle because of the moats that seem uncrossable to them. See, some of the questions that people ask are like the moats that are around a castle. They'll never consider the gospel because they have objections they don't know how to deal with. So let me give you an example that takes us all the way back to when the Bible was first written. As you know, the, the gospel was first given in a Jewish culture. And in a Jewish culture, people were asking questions like this. Well, you're saying that Jesus is the Messiah, that he sits on David's throne. Well, how is it that he died on a cross? Other questions that Jewish people asked was, well, how is it that you don't demand circumcision? Are you really the descendants and the offspring of, of, of Abraham, or is this a different faith? Now, I know that in our culture, that seems like a very, very distant thing for us. But in the world in which the gospel was first birthed, that was a question that needed to be answered. And then later on, the gospel goes into the Greco-Roman world, and the Greco-Roman world are asking very different questions. 
You see, one of the things that early Christians were being charged with by the Romans was that they said that the Christians were atheists in that they denied all of the other gods of the Greek or Roman Empire or, or pantheon. So th they must be atheists. And then there were other charges that were laid against them as well. They don't honor the emperor because after all, you had to profess that, you know, that Caesar is Lord and Christians could never do that. So they were seen as subversives. And there were also other rumors that went around that said at these love feasts that Christians have, well, they're probably at these love feasts, uh, they're probably having a drunken orgy. So all of these were issues that Christians needed to answer. These were the kind of questions that were asked. So what I wanna do is to take you to 1 Peter chapter two, and in 1 Peter chapter two, listen to the tenure of what Peter is instructing Christians. He says, I'm reading chapter two, verse 11 and following. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. See, one of the reasons why we wanna conduct ourselves in a Christian fashion is because non-Christians are watching us and we're not gonna be able to speak into their lives unless they see within us something that reflects the kind of gospel that we're sharing. Now, let me continue to read. I'm reading verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be the emperor as supreme or as governors sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. See, again, there were all sorts of charges made against believers and the charges had a lot to do with, you know, these people are subversives, but this is a way of answering those charges. Then when you go to the next chapter, 1 Peter chapter three, beginning at verse 14, he says, I'm sorry, verse 15, he says, and watch this, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Every single one of us as believers have been called upon to answer the questions that non-believers ask of the Christian faith. And here's what I know for certain. In the day in which we live, no one's asking the Christian faith, what do you think about circumcision? See, that's just not an issue that non-believers deal with today. They're also not asking us a question about what we think about the Greco-Roman pantheon. But one of the things that they're asking of Christians is this, isn't it true that you folks are really intolerant of everyone else that disagrees with you? That's a great question that non-Christians are asking. And today, we're gonna talk about what it means to be human because every single believer needs to answer this question. Are Christians intolerant? And the answer is no one has a greater respect for people with whom they disagree than Christians if they're faithful to the gospel. We've been created in the image of God and as image bearers of God, we view everyone, even those with whom we have ethical differences with. We view them with respect because they are in the image of God. We need to answer the questions that people are asking. And in today's program, you're gonna find out how we might answer some of these questions that are being asked in our culture today. 
What does it mean to be human? And why is that question so important in the world in which we live? Hi, and welcome back to Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. And John, we have a, a great and important subject to talk about today in respect to uh, what does it mean to be human yeah. and, and, and being in the image of God. And uh, we have a special guest with us today, Andy Steiger. Andy, you are uh, the Director of Apologetics Canada, and you're also a pastor. And we're so grateful that you can be with us today. And uh, so, so tell me, tell me a couple of things, Andy. Tell me uh, a little bit about what you call the Human Project and its relevance to uh, uh, how we see ourselves as humans in relation to God. Yeah, the Human Project is something that Apologetics Canada and Power to Change uh, worked together on for the last uh, last year. We flew around the, the world actually filming four, four parts uh, to the series. We were in uh, Portland, Uganda, Korea, and in Ottawa here in Canada. Okay. And so we, we dealt with four questions. What is human? Uh, what is the value of human life? What leads to human flourishing? And how should humans live? And the, the idea behind the Human Project is to talk about important questions of our humanity that are addressed in the gospel. So it's a way to understand who and what we are uh, in our relationship with God, but it's also an opportunity to share the gospel with people. Yeah. Can I ask you a quick question? Why is this important? Uh, well, I am passionate about this question. Uh, one is because we, I think we need different ways to communicate the gospel. And in our culture today, I think the question of our humanity is an important question that's being addressed in a variety of different ways. Uh, everything from abortion to youth in Asia to racism uh, to drug addiction. I mean, we're seeing it asked in a, in a multiplicity of ways. And I just felt like there needed to be a resource that really addresses. And you know another one that's going to become more and more prevalent is technology. How is technology and social media affecting us as human beings and our relationships? But also, how do I understand things like artificial intelligence? Yeah. So these are important questions that are key to our humanity. So John, when we, when we go to the Bible and we look at Genesis, and Genesis tells us that we were created in the image of God, how is that relevant to this topic? Well, I think it's very relevant because I think the Christian message has something significant to say about what it means to not only be human, but how we treat others. And uh, the treatment of others, I think, is, a, is an issue which the Christian faith uniquely brings to any culture. Uh, the, the nature of public discourse, how we deal with people with whom we disagree on ethical issues, how we deal, I mean, you talked about drug addiction, how we see individuals that may look dehumanized to the rest of us. I mean, everything that speaks this, I mean, I think the Christian faith speaks directly into this and changes the nature of the way in which we see other human beings. Okay, so how should we understand uh, being made in the image of God? What, what does that mean to us? As, a, as an individual? Well, I think there's a couple things that, that it informs us of. One is it asks the question, I mean, what does God look like? Yeah. And what the Bible clearly articulates that God is relational in nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that, that God is a, is a family, if you will, in, in God's very essence. And in this way, uh, Christians can say that God is love. Right? That God embodies love within his very essence. That Let me put it this way, that, that God lives in right relationship within himself. 
Now, so that informs a lot about me then. That means I'm, I'm relational in nature in the same way that God is relational in nature in that I've been made in his image. And then that I have a unique relationship with God in that, that God not only created me, but made me in his image, which means then that the greater my view of God, the greater my view of myself. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting then that the most important question that I can answer is, is who is God? Because my answer to that is going to inform my answer to who I am. And Andy, if I can jump in here too, I would also argue there, if you take God then out of the picture, ultimately you dehumanize ourselves. Mm -hmm. And our discourse with one another changes dramatically because we fail to take into account the nature of God. Yeah, I mean, another way we could even put that is, you know, and this is something I love about Christianity, by the way, is that Christianity has a high view of God. Now, if you're made in the image of God, it means the greater your view of God, the greater your view of people. But, it, but as you're saying, John, and the flip side is true too, the lower your view of God, the lower your view of people. And this is particularly interesting when we look at things like scientific naturalism, where we then look at a human being with absolutely no view of God as simply just mechanical parts. You know, and, and that is, that's actually the de very definition of dehumanization, sure. is to see a human being as an object. Yeah, if, if I could just jump in again, Andy, and say that the statement that we make to someone else, I love you, um, if you're a scientific naturalist, which believes that nature is all there is, it's nothing apart from nature, which is, you know, it's the root system of atheism, mm. then if I say to someone, I love you, all I'm speaking about is the chemicals and the synapses in my brain. I'm not speaking about anything virtuous. I'm just speaking about the way human beings function. So on the other side, if I say, I hate you and, when I, and I wanna kill you, that also is not ethical but it's simply stating something about how my biology works, no more than that. Yeah, and this has to have impact upon, and in previous weeks we, we had Stephanie Gray come and talk to us about abortion, yeah. and Paul Chamberlain came and talked to us about a medically assisted suicide, and so this has to have implications upon our perspective of that, our image of God. Yeah. And, and one of the ways that we see this teased out that I think is so interesting is one is when you look at the Ten Commandments, you know, how should I behave? Well, you see that the, the, the first commandments that are all about your view of God. Because once your view of God is distorted, your view of people will be distorted. You'll, you'll break the can, Ten Commandments once you've broken the first ones with your relationship with God. And the second thing that I think is fascinating is Jesus' answer to the question, you know, what's the greatest commandment? What's the well, one thing that I, that I gotta get right? And we see this in Mark chapter 12 and, and various others. Jesus asked this question a lot. And his answer is the same. He, he quotes the Shema from Deuteronomy chapter six and he adds to it from Leviticus 17. He says, here's the answer. It's the same answer. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's a Hebraic way of saying, love God with everything that it is to be human, right? Get that, get that straight. Get your relationship with God straight. See him correctly, love him correctly, because when that happens, you'll see yourself correctly. And when you see yourself correctly, Jesus is saying, then you're gonna love other people the way that you love yourself, because th that you are going to now humanize other people once you see yourself and you see them correctly through your perspective of God. So our understanding of God is going to inform all of our other relationships and how we value and how we live those out. This is fantastic, guys. We're going to continue and we're going to talk more uh, in the next segment about uh, how does this spill out 
into our response to others and to response to the people that we love around us and those we have in our influence. Thanks so much. We're going to return in just a moment right back here on Truth and Life Today. Welcome back to Truth and Life today with uh, Dr. John Newfeld and our guest Andy Steiger. Uh, you know what? You guys are, are pretty enlightening to me in respect to these things, uh, the image of God and how that has implications upon how I live my life and how I perceive others. So, so let's let's bring uh, the rubber down to the road here. What are the implications for our culture? What's the implications for me personally, Andy? Well, I think the first thing that we've got to remember is our history. A lot of uh, you know often. History is lost to textbooks. And we need to be reminded what people are capable of when they don't see another person as a human being. And for example, uh, we've seen that uh, at the time of, of King Leopold II, when he had the control of the Congo, he was responsible for the death of some 10 million Congolese. Why was that? Because he didn't see them as, as people. He was able to enslave and murder them. And you could ask King Leopold a question like, don't you think it's wrong to kill people? His answer would have been, well, of course it is. But, you know, but the Congolese aren't people. And this was actually uh, radically demonstrated in 1906 when a man named Odabanga was brought from the Congo and put in a zoo in New York, in the Bronx, and put on display with an orangutan. And it was just a vivid demonstration of that's how they saw the Congolese people. They, they were the missing link, they called them. They were, they were a monkey. So you can see how that, it, you know, the way I see somebody directly affects the way I treat them. But we see that even today. Yeah, well, yeah. I think those nations which have a Judeo-Christian heritage have typically been those nations that have wanted to push human rights and the treatment of others. I think we're living in a, in a time of danger. You talk about what's happening in our culture today. Because we politicize everything, and now the political discourse is becoming harsher and harsher and harsher so that those people with whom we disagree, we tend to dehumanize, mm -hmm. rather than saying we strongly disagree with the ideas, but we still want to respect that person as created in the image of God. And uh, so once we recognize that God very, it, you know, that this person is a special project of God, I can no longer treat that person in a demeaning fashion. Changes the way public discourse happens. Absolutely does. And research continues to demonstrate that, that people, in order to do, you know, horrific acts from murder to slavery and even to just name calling. You know, at first you need to change the way that you see them. It's very difficult to murder a human being. It's very difficult to enslave a human being. But if I see them as something less than human, like in the Rwanda genocide as a cockroach or a rat or in the Jewish genocide with the Nazis, I mean, we, you know, they, they saw them as rats. And that's how they spoke about them. It's how they treated them. Yeah. So one of the first things that I think that we got to recognize, and James brings this up, uh, is that we need to make sure that we are referring to people and talking about them appropriately. And as you're saying, John, that, that means humanizing them and seeing them as God's creation made in God's image and likeness. That means that they belong to God. And, you know, they don't belong to me. You know, they're his property, you know, and he loves them and made them in his image, which again changes the way then that I see them. You know, we, when we look at these things on, and we've been discussing sort of macro level uh, things, but even when it comes down to, for example, in our culture, like bullying, 
is a big thing. Our, 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 our perspective of people, and John, you mentioned this earlier, and I'd like you to comment on it. You know, even when we disagree with somebody, uh, there's this dehumanizing of it. How do, how do you see you that? Know, it's an interesting thing, this disagreement with people. I mean, we, the other side of the story is that we have people saying, you know, we ought no longer to make truth claims a major issue. It's just about your truth versus my truth. We think that if we do that, we'll safeguard the dignity of human beings. And actually, that doesn't happen. So I'm arguing that the Christian worldview has a strong view of truth, uh, what truth is, God has revealed his truth. God is truth. Uh, the gospel is truth. Those that reject the gospel are not on the side of truth. We can say all of those things while we still affirm the essential humanity of human beings with whom we ultimately agree. I think the gospel gives us both a high view of truth and a high view of humanity. It's the only system that we have that holds both of those together. Yeah. It means that we can lovingly disagree with people. We really can. Yeah. yeah. And one of the ways that, I, that you see that theologically that's important for Christians to keep in mind is Christians will often talk about how, you know, because of sin and evil that the image of God has been broken in humanity. And I think we've got to be careful when we talk about that and be a little more clear on the idea that, that everyone has been made in the image of God. Every, every human being has been made 100% in the image of God. That includes both the non-Christian and the Christian alike. And, and that the sin and evil has broken us. It hasn't broken God's image. It's broken us and our ability to reflect that image clearly. And this is where we really, we need Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the, is the image of God, right? He is, he is the clearest example of what it means to be human. And we need to follow in his example. And what was that? He humanized people. He, he loved people and he treated them uh, correctly because he saw them correctly. Yeah. So, so how do we respond to this as the church? Uh, how do we respond as individuals? Like what are the actual practical things that we're saying uh, to people You today? know, as, as Andy's been talking about this, I think one of the things, I mean, you're with Apologetics Canada. So we're talking about giving a reasoned response for our faith. Andy, I think, and Ben, I'm gonna say this as well, I think that when people view the Christian faith now, they view us as an intolerant bunch. And I think, as I'm listening to you speak, Andy, that we need to change that narrative. Mm -hmm. um, we are saying that this, we really provide a model for how to disagree dis uh, respectfully, not disrespectfully, uh, but also how to continue to hold the image of God in every single human being whom we ever met. I think we have a message from this very thing that you're talking about. Yeah. It means that there's gonna be a tension there. We need yeah. to see, see people correctly treat them correctly. Amen. Thanks so much, Andy, and thanks, John. And uh, thanks for joining us today, and we'll be back in just a minute as uh, Dr. Neufeld uh, spends a few moments in, in summary of today's program right here on Truth and Life Today. Hi, and welcome back to Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. John, uh, we just had a great conversation with Andy Steiger. We did, Steiger. we he, really did. He's doing a great ministry uh, through Apologetics Canada. Uh, but uh, I'd just like to know from you, when after a conversation, what are, what are the things you go away with? What are the implications for being uh, created in the image of God? Yeah, you know, Ben, you're gonna be surprised by what I'm about to say. I mean, all the implications, we've talked about a number of them, but I think there is a huge evangelistic implication. I think a great many people in, 
in this country, in this continent, do not pair the idea with Christian and a high view of humanity. It's because we've stressed the importance of truth, and sometimes when we stress truth and our disagreement with a secular system, that we look like we're just disagreeing and we just hate people, rather than this realization that even the people that we disagree with, we view as something sacred. They are made as the special project of God. Uh, we need to communicate that. We need to get that out there because I think that's going to be huge. So when we, when we think about the human being across from us at the table or wherever we might be or walking by us on the street, we ought to be thinking about uh, but their high position in respect to yeah. they are created in the image of God and we have to have a special trust to want to go and speak to them about who Christ is. Yeah, and, and I think it, the, the real, uh, I think the, the, the question about whether or not we believe this stuff is when we encounter someone who's most unlike ourselves. Hmm. If we then can see the image of God in them, I think we've internalized the doctrine. That's a great word. Yeah. Thanks so much, John. And, and thanks for joining us here on Back of the Bible, Canada's Truth and Life today. And remember to join us again next week. 